wanna get high, man. Let's stimulate your mind. Get up, Chucky! What have we got here? Fucking comedian. <laughs> Rojan Kim. Hello, and welcome to the Rojan Kimcast. It's me, Rojan Kim. How is your Thanksgiving been? Was it very thankful? Did you have good turkey? Was there good conversation at the dinner table? Did you guys talk about Israel and Palestine, huh? Did you talk about it in a way that was fruitful and mutually um, agreed upon terms of respect? You know, did you did you not necessarily see eye to eye, but respect each other's opinions, whatever differences there may be, you know? Because the world is so complex. How could everybody possibly think the same thing about any issue, right? And to try to impose yourself on, uh, say, a family member just because they diverge in your opinion about something, is it worth the bad blood? Is it worth setting the entire table on fire? Just taking out, whipping out a can of lighter fluid and just spraying it all over Thanksgiving dinner and then taking out a Zippo that someone gave you at from the table, like one of your relatives just gave you the Zippo. This was your grandpa's Zippo, and you're like, oh, this is perfect. This is just what I needed because, you know, you had the other the other pocket. Yeah, your pocket was filled with lighter fluid, um, or no, that doesn't make any sense. The pocket had lighter fluid in it. It's a bottle of lighter fluid. Okay, work with me, all right? You got a bottle of lighter fluid in one pocket. Your aunt you know, Gemma or whatever, I almost said Aunt Jemima, that that works too, whoever you are, gives you your grandfather's Zippo lighter. Um, it may or may not be filled. Luckily, you have that lighter fluid. I guess surreptitiously, you could go to the bathroom, you know, fill the Zippo with the lighter fluid and check it out. Everybody's wondering what's taking you so long. And they're like, maybe he relapsed or something, you know, whatever. But you get out in time. It doesn't take that long to fill a Zippo lighter, right? And then you start talking about Israel and Palestine and you are of one side and they're on the other and you have one opinion and they have another. And you're like, I can't take it anymore. You reach into your pockets, okay? Because now both pockets have items in them on one side, you have the remaining lighter fluid in a bottle, and the other, you have a lighter, your grandfather's lighter. You fucking spray the lighter fluid all over the dinner table, the turkey, the gravy, the cranberry sauce, like everything. Everything gets it. You flip open the lighter, you fucking have it on, and then you have a cool catchphrase, right? Uh, like like grandpa would have loved this or something like that. I don't know. Something I'm sure you'll have one in the moment. You know, it's really interesting how perhaps it's divine in these moments. You'll just a cool catchphrase will just come out of nowhere. Right. And just fucking say it. And it's the thing that people will remember. Aside from the fire that you set on the dinner table and how you ruin Thanksgiving, so on and so forth. I mean, hopefully that didn't happen. I mean, hopefully you were able to peacefully get through an exchange of words about a country thousands of miles away that has very little to do with you at all. I mean, really, very little to do with it. If you're out of the Middle East, okay, it probably doesn't really affect you. Aside from the military-industrial complex and 
you know, the efforts of the CIA and the Mossad to keep the war state in a perpetual sort of motion machine thing going on so that, you know, we never stop war and there's always this giant washing machine out there where all our tax money goes into and it just gets you know contracted out to all these defense corporations and then goes upwards into the pockets of all these executives all that tax money because of the war because when you have war you need to sell stuff right and man you know war is great for business bad for babies really bad for baby like if you if you like kids and old people like just weak weak people you know or vulnerable people if you want to be nice i guess you know the people that are gonna die when uh fire rains down from the sky uh, it's not great for them but on the other hand what it does is the the people who do survive that the stronger people they get very upset that their loved ones were just burned or uh, to a crisp you know it's very upsetting to a lot of these people and so that just makes more war, which makes uh, more of a demand for the weapons. So more fire raining down from the sky. Maybe we'll get some of their babies burnt. Each side wants to burn each other's babies out of revenge for the last time their babies were, were burnt, which in some ways is a lot better to me. I mean, this is pretty... This gets dark, but look, the what we do to countries... We, meaning, you know, the West, the United States, using our might, right? Our economic might is sanction them, which is effectively starving the country. So you're watching your baby starve, and then suddenly fire rains down from the sky and ends their suffering. So I guess in some ways you're like, well, thank you for ending my baby's suffering, but now it's my turn to make you suffer. And on and on it goes. You know, what? where does that take us, right? Everybody's just raining fire on each other. Where does that take us? Back to the Thanksgiving dinner table. We could have all had a nice dinner. We could have all avoided, maybe we should have just avoided any talk of Israel and Palestine, okay? Or whatever. Other things get people really mad. Politics, religion, it all gets people really mad. Things you're supposed to avoid in polite conversation and uh, stand-up comedy. Um, but, you know, I guess that's changed. Everything's changed. Everything's changed, hasn't it? Just, was there a time when we could have civil conversations? I mean, it does seem like we're polarized now, but, I mean, I'm sure we were very polarized in the 60s, right? I'm sure we were polarized many other times, you know, when um, whatever war was going on, I'm sure we were polarized, right? The last great war, all the little mini wars in between. A lot of polarization, but maybe now it's just worse, right? Maybe it's just worse because that's part of the cycle. Maybe things just go toward a cliff of getting worse and worse where people can't just have civil conversation and then it erupts into war. You know, maybe that's just that's just the way of things. That's just the cycle of life. Maybe. I mean, coincidentally, there is a concerted effort to continue a perpetual state of war um, with these defense companies who are inextricably linked to technology companies, right? And the technology companies are inextricably linked to the media companies, right? So you have social media, which is your convergence of technology and media. And then you got the, the state on top of that, the war state on top of that, sort of dictating all of that, and all of that gets filtered into our phones that feed us information, that 
provide the background and the foundation for our opinions and our talking points. And everybody online is fighting. So then you start fighting, you know, and all of this creates more fighting, which in turn creates more war, which makes more money funnel upward. So I don't know. It's, am I a conspiratorial guy by saying, oh, it's all, you know, they're all working lockstep to keep this going. Like, I guess the one thing that gives me pause is I, uh, it's hard to give everybody that much credit. I mean, judging from the wars themselves and how incompetent the government seems to be, it's pretty wild that, okay, they're really dumb at this, but really good at that. Then again, though, I mean, if you look at COVID, uh, how ineffective the marketing campaign was at the very beginning, you know, you could say that there are some moments of brilliance, some moments where they're really nailing it. You know what I mean? Like everything is just clear. I mean, it must feel awesome just to put yourselves in the shoes of the international elite, you know, the reptilians or the Illuminati or the the high satanic council. I don't know what you believe in, but whatever it is, you know, whatever works for you there to be like, wow, it's all working. This is pretty good. I mean, it must feel good. I know what it feels like when I, um, you know, make a fire. I build a little fire, you know, and then maybe I, I messed up. I, I, I smothered the kindling or it, it's just smoky. It's not. A, but then you, you, you figure out a way to make it work better. And then it's on fire and you're just like, this is good. This is amazing. I mean, I'm sure as much chaos and up upset you create when you burn down the thanksgiving dinner there's a part of you that looks at it and goes i made that and i'm sure that you know i guess creative destruction is that what we call it is that what we're calling it in the our new age speak sure but you know you you find some satisfaction in doing a thing seeing it go down I mean, unfortunately, that thing is going to burn the entire house down, ruin everybody's lives. Possibly somebody may get sick from smoke inhalation or get some third degree burns. But yeah, okay, but that's because of me. Right? And that's probably um, a good feeling. It's sort of like, hey, you exist in this world. At least you can tell yourself that. I mean, it could be all a simulation and you created a simulation or, or whatever. I mean, I don't think it's a simulation but some people do it's very hard to allow for all the differing opinions in the world out there all right so you know we just we have to move forward so yeah a lot of conflict a lot of conflict in the air you know of course you got your next current thing in israel which is really the last current thing if you just go back like few years if you go back nine years and you go back again a few years and you go back again a few years and you just kind of go back to 1948 it's just this repetitive thing that keeps happening and maybe it's just because i'm old you know if i was younger i'd be like oh wow this is crazy and that's that is how i acted 20 years ago or so 25 years ago you know a long time ago when i learned about the israel and palestine i was like oh man this is there's no way this can keep going. And now 25 years later, I'm like, okay, this time will be different. This time will be different. Just like a, a guy on his sixth wife, he says, this time will be different. Sixth time's the charm. And, you know, there's no, look, just because you have the pattern of behavior that you see happening over and over and over, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen again. And that is actually true. That's, um, David Hume or something, right? He's like, uh, he's saying, um, 
oh man, what was he called? He was, yeah, I, I forgot the name of the school of philosophy. Um, but uh, he basically said that we expect the sun to rise. Empiricism. We expect the sun to rise every day because we see it every day, but we actually don't have any proof that it's going to rise every day. Now, of course, the uh, Globies would be like, ah, we do have proof because we know the Earth rotates and goes around the sun, rev- revolves around the sun and so on and so forth. And the flat earthers will be like, no, you don't really know that. Somebody told you that. And the Globies will be like, well, who told you what you told you? Your God in your book? And, and then they'll be like, okay, anyways. Um, so you, you can see endless conflict. A conflict in the Middle East. I mean, that's not new. But conflict, right? Conflict everywhere. Conflict... Um, Amongst our social circles, uh, in social media, a conflict amongst my Twitter friends, a whole civil war breaking out in my internet meme gang, right? Um, conflict in the heart, a heart full of conflict, spiritual conflict, you know. Um, I started going to a church, so going to church. Um, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. I, uh, I do feel like there is a spiritual war going on, and you have to armor yourself with the armor of Christ um, in order to uh, get through this war. Otherwise, you, if you have nothing, no spiritual armor, you're just vulnerable, you know? And um, I, don't know, I never, uh, never bought into atheism uh, just because I always had the sense or feeling that something was there. I was raised Catholic, but my uh, family is very, like, not Catholic. <laughs> very, It's very strange. You know, I, and I suppose that's a lot of families. Uh, and uh, my dad definitely strayed me away from the church and whatever, so on and so forth. And then I grew up in L.A., which is a very godless place and so on and so forth. But now that I'm here with the mountains and the nature and I I started, okay, you know, maybe I'll go back to church. And and I went to this Orthodox church. Uh, It's very nice. It's called St. Herman's. Um, And, you know, I, um, I know it's weird. I guess the conflict is really like, oh, am I worthy? Like, do I belong here? Should I even be here? Like, am I, if I, uh, but then on the other hand, I'm like, of course, like it's a place of, for sinners. We're all sinners. So of course I belong here. I'm, I'm, I've been sinning more than these guys. I'm sure I'm the sinnerness motherfucker here. <laughs> That's what I start yelling in the church. And then they're like, we don't do that here. Um, you know, this isn't like some Southern Baptist church or something, you know, or Pentecost is not a place where you yell because the spirit overtakes you. So please stop interrupting the liturgy. And then I'm like, all right, I'm, I, I know I said I wouldn't do it again. I did. I won't do it again. And then, you know, so, so there you go. Uh, conflicts all around. You understand the internal, external, the world around it, the conflict you hear about, you don't have anything to do with. Yeah, I don't have anything to do with this conflict, but it's affecting my life. It's in my life. I'm reading about it. I'm hearing about it. People are arguing about it. Yeah, and I'm like, why? Why? Well, maybe there's something in the air. There was a solar flare, um, apparently, so... Everybody was afraid that there would be an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse that would cut out all our electricity, and then that's it. That's it. Stone Age. We're back in the Stone Age. I don't think that happened. It doesn't seem like it. I seem to be operating electronics just fine, at least in my corner of the world. So maybe that's not what happened. But 
does that mean it doesn't affect anything else? Let's just say the sun is actually a star, okay, and that has emits electromagnetic radiation, and that there was a solar flare, and it let off some radiation, maybe uh, not enough of a pulse to knock out our electric wiring, but maybe enough of a pulse to jostle or jiggle our neuroelectric system, right? We, we do know our brains and nervous systems work on electricity, so... It isn't far-fetched to say there might be some effect, however minute. You know, I mean, the uh, magnetic poles have to have some effect on us or things with brains, right? We know that birds orient themselves toward the magnetic poles. That's how they figure out how to migrate. Lots of animals do. I, I don't know. I mean, what do I know? But could it be? Could it be the solar flare? It's just jostling everybody just a little bit. Some people say, um, I think they started up CERN or something again. Yeah, that could, that might do smashing protons and atoms to try to create bosons and look for the the particles, the the god particle or whatever. You know, it's like whatever they're doing. Could that have some kind of effect? I mean, that's kind of like, I guess, when we figure out you can make sparks by hitting two pieces of flint together. It's like knocking two rocks together and seeing sparks would come out. You know? Like, um, that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe that I can see how there's the human inclination to want to do that, to smash things together and make sparks and be like, ooh, look at this. You know, because that's what we did when we were discovering fire and it really paid off. You know? So maybe there's something just inside of this innate nature to want to just smash smash and make sparks and fire you know maybe just even in a metaphorical sense you know just uh, between people conversation just the we're smashing we're like two rocks you and me arguing about some war smashing together and creating sparks the sparks will they create tension will they create flames right or will they just fizzle out you know nobody knows but you just keep trying and you see you know and i think um amidst all this chaos and conflict, and this and that, I've, I've found, you know, I'm struggling to find peace, you know, uh, going to church, you know, and kind of going back to the, you know, I did find peace uh, in the Bible, and in Christ, and in the church when I was younger, I think a lot of that peace was disrupted by my family life, so now that I am um, sort of away from the city, away from, I guess, the centers of godlessness, you know, closer to nature, I find myself, okay, looking toward that as something that's important. But beyond that, I, I do crave, you know, uh, being physical, going back to jujitsu, trying to train jujitsu. I'm very, very uh, beat up from my last jujitsu class, which I came in the middle of the cardio class because they moved the schedule. And then I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing cardio now. Uh, intense cardio for 30 minutes and then rolling so you know it's uh, that's there's a you know that's like a form of con controlled conflict just like a fire just like building a fire which 
when it's come down to it, this has been one of my most favorite things to do now is just uh, setting things on fire. I've become an arsonist. I'm just, st- there's a lot of wood here, a lot of logging. I'm trying to save the earth by burning down the logging industry. No, that's not true. And hopefully no one is actually doing that because this will come right back to me. I like, I bought a, I don't know what it is. It's like a, it's like a, a metal fireplace thingy. It's um, it's not a stove because you can't really cook stuff on it. And it's not contained. It's not indoors. It's outdoors. It's not a pit. It's just like a portable fireplace, right? And it's got a little ash catcher, and, you know, and um, man, I really am a, a pyromaniac. I just, I just love uh, finding, kindling, <laughs> finding, you know, cutting things down. I got myself a mall, uh, like a little wood splitter, not a big one. I'm going to get a bigger one, but for now I got like a handheld, like a four pound mall and I just chop the wood I get into smaller and smaller pieces so that burns faster, you know, to create kindling. Um, I don't know why, but that brings me immense joy. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, I've seen online people talk about it and why it's great exercise or whatever, but there's also something you know, I think maybe it's just the work, the effort being put into it, and then the results. Um, something very satisfying about wood splitting. You just uh, bringing down an axe onto a piece of wood, and it just splits in splinters into pieces. And you go and collect all the little pieces. It's like hitting a pinata. It's like hitting a, a, a fire-making pinata. And all the little bits of candy are just little pieces of kindling you can make the fire easier with. It's incredibly um i think it's fun it, it i've spent more time on the fires than video games you know like it's 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 becoming one of my most favorite pastimes you know chopping wood setting it on fire um, and not only that but creating a, a pleasing fire right because my first fires it's been a while since i've been making fires i mean it's not like i've never made fire before and like this is wow middle-aged guy learns how cool making fires are no of course i've made fires and i've known how cool fires are with fireplaces and campfires and bonfires and all of that but i guess this is just sort of me making fires for the sake of just make, making fires because it's not really doing much except burning wood for fun making me smell very smoky uh, me just looking for things to burn around the house and the yard that and i keep myself busy doing that this is not a lucrative hobby but it is a very um relaxing uh peace bringing hobby the uh destruction <laughs> the destruction that i partake in uh allows me um great peace uh, and i think um i don't know i, I just started you know, thinking about, like, what is it about this that's so great? You know, I, of course, think there's this primal thing, super primal, right? It's just survival. It's It makes sense why this is the activity that you're just going all in on. It makes a lot of sense, and it's very crucial we get this right, right? It's very crucial. And then just the problem-solving thing. Like, okay, I got this wood, I want to set it on fire, but it's not setting on fire. Why is that? And then you start realizing, oh, okay, you got to build it, you got to build like uh, a bed of kindling, and then you got to position the, the sticks in a way so that it isn't blocking the air. Then you got to position the logs on top of those sticks in a way so the whole, that whole thing doesn't collapse, the air continues, the edges burn, you know, you, and this is all a part of learning 
as you go right as you as you it's like trial and error you build things it's you so I, you can imagine like a prehistoric man you know doing this is just it's there's so much um brain power going into it because you're problem solving but you're also just learning the basics of things like ventilation right you're learning the basics of things like uh, physics you're learning the basics of thermodynamics you're learning all these things you, that will take thousands of years hundreds of that whatever you believe however long it takes to get to the point where we are like, oh, we have some kind of scientific understanding of what this is, that this is a chemical process, that this is, there's laws of thermodynamics, that there's this and that, you know, that there's something called physics that we've observed over time. And I believe that this was probably, aside from like falling down or something, you know, aside from like watching lightning hit stuff, you know, this is probably a fundamental building block of understanding the natural world. And the chemical processes and the changes and energy, in fact, the exchange of energy, right? Um, the other thing, you know, I think about is like looking into the fire. You can see the passage of time. You can see what time does. You can see what energy, what using energy does. It burns things down, right? It reduces them. It's like the, the this thing was a tree, it became wood, and now it's just ash, right? And what I got out of it was fire, right? Um, looking into the fire i would you would start seeing shapes you start seeing things i can imagine the images of hell right you'd look into the fire you can kind of imagine being there little people in there devils in there you know you can imagine i think you know things greater than the physical world by staring into this fire right it's probably like the first tv you know we're all staring in the fire like telling stories using the shadows from the fire to um, you know, create these pictures in our minds, very first movie theaters, right? I remember seeing a movie called Cave of Forgotten Dreams. It's a documentary a documentary by Werner Herzog about these cave paintings they found. Uh, it ended up, man, being, I don't know, something like 20, 30,000, 40,000. Very old, like the oldest cave paintings they ever saw. And some of the things they were theorizing uh, was that, or, you know, it was obvious that there was this burned area right right up against the wall and then there were pictures on the wall drawings right and they were just guessing that you know maybe they gathered around the fire and there's a storyteller telling stories about the hunt a lot of the pictures were of uh, animals and the hunt and things like that so maybe they were telling picture telling pictorial uh, pictorial stories about the hunt you know using the fire um, to create this animation effect up against a flat wall. So this light is kind of being projected on a flat wall images, right? And then there's somebody on the side providing the sound to go along with that so that your imagination gets taken away by these pictures. You, know, you start having these abstract thoughts. Perhaps that's the, the beginnings of how we started to uh, visualize things, 3D in our minds. And I do remember one of the things that really struck me watching this movie because I saw it in the theater was that I was watching this movie about how they're guessing all these people 40,000 years ago would be in a dark cave with a light projected on a wall watching stories. And meanwhile, here I was in a dark cave watching a story being projected on the wall. We haven't made any progress, you know? I mean, we've made progress in the sense that, well, now instead of fire, it's a, it's a tiny fire inside of a thing with a glass tube that, like, projects the image onto the wall, which is not a cave wall anymore, but a projection screen, right? Like, but it's just like we've made refinements to the thing, but the thing itself is the same. We're all sitting in a dark room looking at a light on a wall. Like, that's what we're doing. 
mean, if you think about it, that's what we do when we watch TV. We're in dark rooms looking at walls, you know, brightly lit walls. And now what we've done is we've taken those walls and put them in the palm of our hands so that now all we do is, uh, and the darkness isn't, <laughs> it's the darkness of our own mind as we stare into the tiny fires in our hands, the tiny portable fires that we've created for ourselves that we don't actually need to build or do anything or, or watch out for because it might burn you. I mean, it might still have the same creative and destructive powers of fire, but it's self-contained in this device. You know, it's, it works through electricity and um, it's sort of been abstracted to the point where we don't see the destruction that it might be causing, right? We, we, I guess we can see the creativity it can cause, a lot of memes, a lot of stuff being made on the phone, a lot of media, but the destruction itself, you know, maybe probably less evident, you know, you burn the family table down, it's pretty obvious what the destruction here is, what the harm is, right? But you, you turn that family table fire into a tiny device that you stare at all day and get a dopamine hit from, uh, I feel like it's more evident maybe in the, just the behavior we see, right? I just saw that there was something on TikTok called the ceiling challenge, right? I, did, I don't even have TikTok. It just came on Twitter. And it's just chicks putting their phone on the ceiling, recording themselves, like dancing, and then suddenly twerking like strippers, you know, when the song, when the, the, when the bass drops or something in the song, right? Like just, uh, and you know, you're like, we used to sit around the fires telling stories of old, you know, or maybe oral, the oral transmission of the Bible or just myths, legends, just even hunting stories. What happened? Just little things, you know, that's, that's what we used to do. And then the kids, the younger people, or just people in general, would take that in, absorb it, and then go out into the world and maybe tell that story to other people or repeat maybe the lessons they've learned. Maybe they internalize some of the morals of these stories and decide to act them out. Um, but instead, what we have are you know, 15-second snippets of becoming strippers in your own house, just but not even in a creative way. That's the other thing. It's like they're all... Um, doing templates everything's in a template it's like a little box and as long as you're in the little box you can do whatever you want creatively but you know it has to be the song it has to be the phone on the ceiling and you have to be a stripper or whatever you know it just uh i mean i saw one variation of it of where instead of becoming a total stripper the song changes to like a kanye song and the girl has a bible and she's reading the bible you know stuff like that but even that no, great message. Okay. But even that is in a box. It's the box that, and to me, the box is the problem. You see? The box is the problem. It's, it's, um, it's very much like the containing of the fire. And I have this thing I bought for 50 bucks. It's just a metal box that I keep the fire in. And I do that so I don't burn the yard down, right? And so maybe in some ways, the tech companies, the powers that be, they're like, ooh, everybody has this fire inside of them that we're cultivating through our transmission of information, but we got to keep it in a box, right? We don't want this fire to spread. We don't want people being like thinking freely and stuff and realizing they don't need all this, that all this information they're being pumped daily, that they're being manipulated by, you know, every little piece of content that I too am guilty of making that's trying to make you laugh or be angry and hit that button, you know, and share it and give you engagement so that it makes the algorithm favor their content, you know, all that stuff, you know, maybe it's really just keeping us all in cages. Maybe that's what its design is. Maybe it's like, um, 
you know, Temple Grandin is that chick who she's like autistic, but she made a fence for cows that um, had a pattern, like a geometric pattern on them that made them naturally walk forward so that you wouldn't have to keep cattle prodding them, you know, and zap them to their to go to their deaths. They would willingly go to their deaths to the slaughterhouse, which in some ways I suppose is more humane. Is it? I don't know. Is it more humane? I wish, if I mean, if I were the cow, if I were the cow, would I want to be led to the slaughter against my will or mindlessly move forward through some neurological stimuli like a zombie and then just die not knowing what the hell's going on? It's hard to know. It's hard to know. Oh, it's starting to snow outside. That's nice. Look at that. Snowfall. That Time to light a fire. All right. So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I listen. I'm gonna ramble about fire. I guess. I'm gonna ramble. I mean, I just. I think I've spent a lot of time <laughs> in front of these fires that I've made, and you know, I just you get to really thinking. You know, it is. You could see where the creative aspect of humanity came from, and how that creativity is also destructive. I can see how the first spears could have been formed. You take a stick, you poke it in the fire enough, it, the end hardens. You know, and then you go, oh, what if I sharpen this? What is sharpen this? Right? There you go. You can make a really good poking stick. Right? You just poke people. Yeah. I can kill people and food. I can kill food. And I bring back to the fire and use another poking stick to have over the fire. Make a spit. Roast meat over the fire. Okay? So in that destruction, there's creativity as well. You have to, you're bringing life. Right? You're sustaining yourself through the destruction of the animal that you made from the creation of the spear that you made from the destruction of fire. Right? And I feel like, hey, that's a good way to live where you're intricately part of the creative destructive force of the world around you, of the natural world, as opposed to going to the store and buying food and coming back and being completely disconnected to the destruction you're causing. I mean, you still are creating destruction just by your very existence. It doesn't even matter if you don't eat meat. Like It doesn't matter just by getting in a car and driving to the store. I mean, that's that took some amount of destruction somewhere to bring that energy to you, right? Just buying the food that you eat. You know, getting that food to where you are, where you are, that creates destruction. Keeping that food there and keeping it refrigerated, right? That creates destruction somewhere. But none of that's, but you're clean of it. You know, you're clean. You don't, you don't feel like you're part of it at all. You just pay your, your back in the day, at least you paid cash. So there's some dirt being exchanged, but now it's just a card or you just swipe a chip on your hand or whatever. It's just being so clean. Right. And I wonder where all that energy goes, where all that destruction, where all that, you know, what was once fire, right? What was once a thing that could burn you, that you could feel the heat of, you have to back out, back away from it, but not too much because you're going to freeze to death. Or you got to get, you know, you got to find the balance between creation and destruction. And now we just destroy at will, right? Create and destroy at will. There's, a, there's no connection between the two, right? I'd like to think that, you know, somebody probably was making a spear, caught on fire and chucked it. It was like, ah, chucked it. And then they were like, oh, wait a minute. fiery spears huh fiery spears like projectiles on fire what do you think of that and people were like probably like ah you son of a bitch you've done it again right and you can naturally see that leads to arrows being on fire 
catapults filled with fire, just chucking fire, flamethrowers, right? Chucking back. I mean, what are we, what is supposed to be the most advanced weapon we have in our arsenal? The nuclear missile, right? Nuclear bomb, the hydrogen bomb. And really, what is it? You're just chucking a metal spear that will catch everything on fire. You know, just like the movie analogy, we haven't really progressed that far from when we were just in the Stone Age making these fires and telling stories about the last hunt to each other against a wall. I, I don't think so. I mean, it seems like we're just, just have like metallic cooler versions of those things, but it's conceptually the same thing. We haven't really, you know, we haven't really evolved. You know, we've, we've evolved, yes, I would say technologically, but not creatively. I think we've become more destructive in scale but not necessarily, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not advocating for uh, better forms of destruction. <laughs> there certainly are better forms of destruction out there, including psychological, right, or spiritual. Um, so that's all going on as well. But it, it just, I don't know. I think that is part of the thing I find funny about people, how we, we feel like we're so great. We're so technical. Look at us. Look at us marveling at our own marvelousness. Look at how amazing we are. But we we're not really that great. We can't, we can't even, you know, most of us can't even make a fire anymore. You know what I mean? Like we're so hot. We have these phones and we, you know, I have so many likes, but I, I can't make a fire. I don't know how to make a fire. If that solar flare hit us and we lost electricity, how many of us would be screwed? How many of us would not be able to provide warmth, right? And maybe you're in a place where you don't need a fire to be warm, but you're going to have to cook, right? You might have to burn stuff. You might have to, you just, okay. My, what I'm advocating for is everybody put down their phones like for an hour every day and just set something on fire, okay? Just learn a little bit about the uh, first form of intimate energy, right? The first, uh, the first television, right? The first phone, first thing that took all of our attention created the creative spark inside of us made us aware of our own destructiveness you know just 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 set something on fire and i don't mean like your family dinner table by talking about israel and palestine i just mean like literally set something on fire go ahead set the table on fire sure uh i mean that there's probably better ways doing it um get a, a tin can or something and set that on fire problem with fire is a lot of smoke yeah, so you might have to do it outside. The problem with the smoke is a lot of people see it, and then we'll call the fire department on you, and then they'll come and hit you with uh, hoses filled with water, which in and of itself, yeah, in and of itself, like maybe one day, I'll do um, another episode on water. <laughs> this whole thing has just been about fire. So you know, um, I'll do one about water. But you know, I just I don't know. You got. You know, we've taken the fire that we used to stare at. We've reduced it to little tiny fires in our hands, right? That's the warmth we seek now. The warmth, the community we seek now, the storytelling we receive, right? The uh, the way we learn the boundaries of the world, just little fires in our hands. Little babies watching the fire. I see little kids all the time just being stuck in front of their phones. I'm sure people said the same thing when it was TV, you know, people might have said the same thing when it was books. I don't know. It's like, oh, these kids sitting there reading these books when they should be out setting fires. 
right? And then people advocating to set the books on fire. And you could see all of that happening time and time again. So I'm sure this isn't necessarily new, but it does seem um, heightened in its destructiveness. Yeah. I mean, you put a baby in front of a fire, yeah, it could burn itself. So that is bad. I mean, it's like the baby can't burn itself on the phone. So I guess that's good. But the baby can um, become empty spiritually, psychologically, uh, be put into these little boxes already before it even knows what boxes are, right? Already uh, learning to get likes or learning to swipe left or right or learning to, you know, just feed the algorithm and have the algorithm feedback. And that becomes the thing that it learns everything from instead of its parents and the natural world and other people. And then what's going to happen when that kid grows up to go interact with other people? And even if you are a good parent and have kept your kid from being like that, what are you going to do with all the millions of kids who've all been raised like that? I mean, it's in some ways uh, insurmountable, right? No idea. I mean, all you can do is sort of hope for the best, right? All you can do is sort of do your best, you know, and it shit's going to happen. It's not going to be great, but hopefully the foundations the psychological fortitude, you know, the bonds, maybe a spiritual connection, maybe all that stuff is there, right, in order to counteract the forces of the world. I mean, maybe it's no different. Perhaps it's no different than it's always been and just seems like it is. I mean, just like being in that movie theater and just like the idea that missiles are just fiery spears, like maybe we just think that we're so great and this is so much worse and this is so much crazier and so on and so forth, but it isn't, maybe it isn't, maybe it's not that different. Don't only think of like being alive during the time of Jesus, right? <laughs> the guys get, he's getting crucified, right? He dies, he resurrects the destruction of the, the, the temple, you know, all this stuff going on. It must've been very apocalyptic, you know, it must have been like, ah, oh, this is it. This is the end. It's all over. And now, you you know, you fast forward 2,000 years and you're like, okay, we're still here. We've built giant spears that can destroy entire cities. We set off enough of these spears, we could probably make a big cloud all over the world that, you know, where we'll never see the sun again. Isn't that funny? It's like you could uh, make enough fires to block out the biggest fire of all, the one in the sky. And then everything will get very cold. And then you'll really need to learn how to make fire. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe in some ways it's like a forest fire. Maybe there it's good. I mean, not that it's good that things burn, but that it's just part of life. And things do need to be burned in order for the ashes to be made because ashes are fertilizer. Ashes are fertilizer for the next generation. Maybe you got to clear some of this growth. You know, maybe we're just, um, we've created so many little boxes and they all fit together, all come together like trees in a forest that have no room. People are suffocating. So maybe you, it's the this idea of creative destruction where part of the forest needs to burn for the rest of it to live. I don't know what that necessarily means. I don't think we should be burning people um, yet. No, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, no, I don't think we should be burning them. We should be drowning them, which is will bring me to my next lecture on water. Okay, um, water 
the giver of life, but also the taker of life. Isn't that interesting? Have you noticed how that... Wa- okay. <laughs> uh, well, you know, apparently... You know that uh, after the Great Flood, you know, the flood came because we were wicked. We were wicked, okay? God was like, oh, this, what? what are you guys doing? You know, that was, that was like, oh, I'm going to flood the whole place. You're all being drowned. I'm flooding all of you. And 40 days and 40 nights it rained and everybody drowned except for Noah and, you know, all the animals on the ark and his family. And then, you know, and then afterwards, God was like, all right, I that was... Maybe that was too far. Maybe I went too far. I Here's a rainbow. And he made the rainbow. He's like, this is a sign. And I'm sure if there were no rainbows ever and you saw one, you're like, ooh, that's, that's amazing. And, you know, and God was like, this is the symbol that I will never flood you guys ever again, okay? Probably went too far. Just, you know, let's, let's just a do-over. We'll do a do-over and, you know, and ever since then, the rainbow has been co-opted uh, first by stoner hippies very briefly in the 70s and then uh, by the gays, right? So you take the symbol of God's <coughs> covenant and uh, you turn it into the gay gay flag. But that's And so, I mean, some would say, hey, maybe that means uh, God will break his promise and flood us again, you know? Maybe that means... Or, or maybe... Instead of a flood, he'll just rain fire. Thank you for listening to the Rojan Kim cast. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Thank you uh, for your time, your ear holes. Please follow me on Twitter at Rojan Kim. Um, find me and my gang on Twitter, Triple Elite Memes. Find our media company at Triple Elite Media. Um, hashtag T-E-M. Find our spaces. Join. Come up and talk to us. We're actually very nice. I mean, not nice in the conventional way, but ultimately, in the end, you'll say, okay, these guys are nice. It'll take a little bit of... uh, It might take time, but I think you'll find that we're all very nice. Anyways, thank you all for listening. Until next time.